This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we unjumble an important and sometimes under the radar statewide issue that affects you. And now that there may be an end in sight to the UAW strike against GM, we want to talk about what the impacts have been. And to help us sort of unpack this and figure out what has been going on and what this all really means, we've brought in Abigail Sensky, an amazing reporter from our member station, WKAR, and she has been really literally on the ground with the strikers, you know, in the restaurants, everywhere, covering this issue, both for Michigan stations as well as nationally. Abigail, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. So what are the big takeaways so far about what the impact has been, Abigail? I think the big takeaways so far are just how strongly this has impacted Michigan as a state and local communities um, based around the plants in Michigan. So whether that's around the plants in Grand Rapids or here in Lansing or um, Detroit, this has really rippled out into those communities. So while the strike has cost General Motors as a company $1.5 billion in estimated lost profits, that's a lot of money and that's certainly hit the national economy. But in communities like Lansing, where there's 4,000 GM employees and over 6,000 suppliers, the people who are working in the places that build the parts for GM or just do janitor work, that means that they're not showing up to their local bar where they eat breakfast after their shift and those waitresses are cut. So this is really impacting Michigan as a state economy. And there's a lot of people who can't pay their bills right now because they've been getting a $250 strike check or $362 in unemployment, and not a lot of people can survive on that. That's what's always so fascinating to me as I've sort of been watching your coverage and other coverage of the strike, which is, you know, it is such a large industry in the state still. You know, I don't think we always think of Michigan as much as being the auto bohemoth that it once was, but it still has a huge impact sort of across the state. Was there anything in your reporting that you found really surprising about the strike? I think the thing that I found surprising was, like you're saying, I had thought coming into this, okay, the auto industry, even in Michigan, has atrophied a little bit. Well, it hasn't, it hasn't. A lot of those jobs have been offshored or automated, but the jobs that are still there aren't necessarily GM jobs anymore. So you still have those 4,000 people working here in Lansing, but then you have all of the people outside of GM who are just working for private suppliers now. And those aren't people represented by unions. So a lot of those people were actually very afraid to talk to me. They're not represented by a union. They're just working for a private company and they have fears that, you know, maybe they could lose their job or, you know, their shifts could be cut a lot if they talk about how this is affecting them. So once the strike is over, do we just pick up where we left off? What happens from here for everyone involved? Definitely not. So even if there is a temporary agreement, the UAW workers still have to hold a vote to ratify the contract that the UAW has agreed to with GM. And there's still the issue of other contracts as well. But for just General Motors, um, they have to ratify that contract And that could take several days. If they ratify it and vote on it, they could be back in production next week. But even for if the lines are back open and production starts again, companies 
here, like Ryder, who helps apply for GM, they have 40, 50 trailers of things sitting outside of their completely full warehouses where their businesses were still ongoing, but GM's their main client. So they have a lot of surplus and all of these other businesses kind of had this domino effect around them. So that will take a long time. And the state of Michigan, by some estimates, has lost almost $18.5 million in income tax uh, revenue and wages alone. And nationally, you know, strikers have lost wages of $835 million. So that's a lot of money that has been taken out of our local economy here, and people aren't spending at, you know, the movie theater or restaurants, and they are still going to be living in kind of strike mode for the next few months. Think about if you lost a paycheck, you wouldn't be able to bounce right back. In your piece for NPR, you focused on the GM suppliers and how they're hurting from the auto worker strike. But something that kind of stood out to me was that the restaurant industry in these areas has been taking a bit of a hit, too. Can you talk us through sort of where you went and what you learned? Yeah, so I went to Tony M's, which is kind of this drab industrial building outside of the Delta Township plant here in Lansing. And it's where a lot of these workers go after they finish their shift, GM workers and suppliers alike. And these are people working third shift. So they're going in for breakfast, you know, at 7 a.m. Basically, it's their end of day meal. It's their after work. And that's like their happy hour. So it's called third shift breakfast. But they had completely closed that um, during the strike because nobody's coming in because they can't, they're, they're cut from work and they can't even afford to, you know, be buying that if they're not working. And that means that that restaurant had to cut waitresses and waiters and it was affecting their bottom line a little bit. They luckily had other businesses, but I think it really ripples into things that wouldn't even be considered supplier jobs. They're just the movie theater or the restaurant or the person who's helping you mow your lawn or something. You're not paying them to do those things because you can't afford it. So I was hearing some things uh, recently about possibly the federal government stepping in to intervene here, Abby. What was going on with that and, and what would it have meant? So that's right. Patrick Anderson, who's one of the main economists who's been producing estimates on how much GM and workers are losing and has really been tracking the strike, actually sent a letter to two senior members of Michigan's congressional delegation, Representative Fred Upton and Representative Debbie Dingell, asking for them to make an appeal to President Trump to invoke the Taft-Hartley Act. The Taft-Hartley Act basically would give the president powers to force the workers back to work. Mm. And it's a bill that has been, or or a piece of law that has been credited with kind of being the forerunner to a lot of right-to-work legislation um, that has evolved and we've been seeing in across the United States in recent decades. But this essentially would allow the president to send the workers back to work. And the last time it was used was by President uh, George W. Bush in 2002 to break a strike in California. And what was the reasoning for this economist saying, hey, we need to invoke this presidential power? 
he was basically saying, look, the state of Michigan is in a contraction. We might already be headed towards a one-state recession. And states like Michigan and Ohio and Missouri and Texas, with these large concentrations of GM plants and suppliers, have been hurt enough that their state economies are really being impacted. And this is going to start impacting not only those states, but also the national economy. Abigail Sensky is with WKAR. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course. And now we want to go to the picket lines themselves to get a real firsthand look at the impact of this strike on the workers themselves. So since the strike began, members of the UAW have been taking shifts on the picket line at GM's Detroit Hamtramck assembly plant. Workers have been picketing for at least four hours every other day. WDET's Laura Herberg went there and asked folks what they do when they're not at the plant. Uh, Most of them say they're finally having some time to tackle big house and yard projects. Some say they're spending more time with their kids. But Stephen Reeves' response made an impression on Herberg. Here's their conversation. How's the strike going for you? I don't like it. I'm more tired out here than I do be on my own job. Concrete, it ain't made to be walking for four hours. So tell me what you're normally doing inside there. I do uh, quarter panels and uh, center pillars. That's all. What does that mean to the layman? I, I put the uh, quarter panel inside a robot, inside a machine, press a button, Robots come down the well, put some well nuts on it. Quarter panels, I do the same thing. Put them inside the machine, press the button, that's it. And how do you like that work? Uh, uh, ooh, we better than walking out here. <laughs> when the strike ends and you're back to work, since the, the plant's future is a little uncertain, what, what are your plans? Go back to doing my same job. I'm hoping they offer us a package so I can sign and get out of here and go get my pension and my social security, enjoy life. You're hoping they'll offer you a retirement package? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it used to be fun to come up in here. Now, it ain't fun no more. Why is it not fun anymore? Because see, management don't want you to have fun. You know, they don't want you to have fun. They, they want you to be miserable. They got too many rules, you know, this and that. They try to keep, keep people divided. It ain't good. What do you mean by that, try and keep people What's divided? Thing? You got these tier, we got tier ones and tier two people probably being paid. They'll put a tier two with a tier one worker. Tier two, he's mad because we're doing the same job, but he get less pay. You know, so it's a mess. You're you're tier one, right? You've been yeah. here a long time. Yeah, yeah. And you say you guys used to have fun. Tell me about that. What kind of fun what did you used to have? Back then, you know, you, you know, you had your cigarettes on the line, smoking, talking, playing your radio. You know, make the day go by fast. You cracking jokes. But now, they don't want that. You know, now you got to come outside and smoke. You know, too far to walk. What are you doing with your free time? <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh, I mean, it's okay. Uh, it's not live. It's oh, not oh, live. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> 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 uh, resting up for the next day. I'm telling you, with this every other day stuff, that day off, you resting because walking on this concrete, your feet and ankles be sore. You know, so I just, I don't do nothing. Watch TV, sit on the porch. That's it. What you been watching? You know what? I like watching PBS. I like black and white movies and sports. I done picked up more weight striking than I do at work. Wait, but you're just talking about how hard it, how much walking you're doing striking. So how come you're gaining weight? 
Out right, here, okay, you got people feeding you. And then you eat, then you go home. And, all, and all, on the off day, all you want to do is eat and lay back down. You're eating right now. What are you eating right now? Sweet and salt, salty mix. A little trail mix there. Yeah. Well, see, if you ask anybody else out here, they'll talk about me. They call me Emo. <laughs> Emo? Emo. I eat more food than anybody else. <laughs> You got a reputation. Yeah, yeah, because see, after a while, they're going to see me at that table over there with the food at. <laughs> that was GM worker Stephen Eatmo Reeves. He spoke to WDET's Laura Herberg while picketing in front of the Detroit Hamtramck assembly plant. WDET reporters, by the way, are members of the UAW in the Professional and Administrative Union Local 1979. That's all for Mishmash. I'm Jake Neer. And I'm Shana Roth. Thanks for listening.